the year's 1930. And Betty Boop first appeared in Dizzy Dishes. And I quote from the side I'm reading this fact from, although she was more like a poodle, she became more human-like in the year 1932. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. That's no, wild. Now I need to look it up. Now I need to look up what Betty Boop, what, like, like, what this, Betty Boop looked like in 1930? This is the year, like, this is the year we, we, we started being hashtag horny for Boop, hashtag never stop, never stopping. But what did she look like? Apparently she looked poodle-like according poodle-like. to this website. Poodle-like. Okay. Also in 1930, Clyde Tombaugh was photographing the sky, and when he compared his pictures, he noticed that something was moving. Turns out he discovered Pluto. Nice! Hey, former former planet uh, Pluto. I, I want to be a former planet one day. Apparently, a scientist named Percival Lovell had been looking for a planet between... Uh, out, uh, between Neptune and Uranus since 1905. What? Uh, so fucking loser didn't. I mean, loser couldn't find one. But then this just random dude photography was like, I found it. And uh, the thing that matters for our podcast that happened in 1930 is that Broadway Melody won the Oscar Award for, for Best, Best Picture. Picture. Technically, for the first time. But that's just because, like, they renamed the Academy Awards a lot when they were beginning. They they renamed them a lot, and they're going to keep renaming them, I think, until, like... So I just want you to know this isn't as prestigious as it 50s. sounds. Technically, it won the second Academy Award for Best Picture. And it also is... But it is the first fully sound film. On our um, list. And semi-color, but... One of the shots, uh, one of the scenes, I should say, called... The Painted Doll. The Painted Doll. The Wedding of the Painted Doll. The Wedding of the Painted Doll was shot in color, but that has been lost to us. Oh, no. And I sort of wish all of The Painted Doll had been lost to us. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of sort of wish this whole movie had been lost. Um, I'm I'm wondering if there are going to be any of these movies on this list that are, like, lost films. I don't think so. I think the last time I checked, all of them are, like, found in some way. Um, I don't think all of them have been restored, though, so... Yeah. Um... Time on that pictures presents the Broadway Melody. Uh, I'll be your host, Mavis Evergreen. I'm gonna. I think. I think from now on, I'm only gonna be feminist because what else is there to talk about? But uh, I'll try to approach things from a feminist and a socialist point of view and try to. I don't know. If I have other points of view, I'll throw those in there too. Uh, and I am your co-host, Andy Reyes, and I will be talking primarily about the history of film as well as uh, other kind of minority um, socialist perspectives uh, when they are applicable. Um, which which it's going to be hard because this movie, I think more so than the last two movies, is like so white. So... Should I do a summary of this? You should. Brief summary of the plot. The Broadway Melody is a semi-black-and-white musical released in 1929, directed by Harry Beaumont. This film is about two sisters who want to make it big. Hank and little sister Queenie Mahoney, and using their connections to Hank's fiancée, Eddie, a Broadway songwriter, the girls head to New York. But they fail their first interview. However, Queenie gets in because she hot, though. Queenie slyly gets her sister Hank in too. Hashtag sister bond. 
But hashtag, oh no, Eddie falls in love with Queenie, but Queenie avoids him like the plague. 40 minutes of nothing important happens, and then Hank loses her fiance and her spot on Broadway to her sister. Queenie and Eddie get married. The end. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk about this movie. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about this movie. movie. So the thing, we're going to spend a lot of time, I assume, talking about how much we dislike this movie. And I feel like we need to specify the dislike. For me specifically, the dislike comes from the fact that these sisters are genuinely interesting. These sisters have a lot of character in the beginning of the movie, and they have a really interesting connection. So Hank is a very, like, loud woman, and she's very, like, I'm the brains of this operation. I'm going to be up front. I'm going to be very, like, not, the word is not demanding or controlling. The word I'm looking for specifically is assertive. Yeah. Um, and in a way that was, I feel like, very typical to make fun of back then. I mean, you still see it, people making fun of it now, right? Like, yeah. the, the, the idea of, like, the, the bossy, um, quote unquote, like, bitchy, yeah. uh, woman um you see it a lot in like sitcoms and i think you still see it in like certain kinds of movies yeah. you know horrible bosses that's i don't know why i was thinking about that movie but i guess it's in my mind but Never anyways seen it. her her character is genuinely really really interesting and they introduce her having like a fiance who's a childhood friend which i honestly thought was really nice at first i was like oh that's great i love that like we've established that she's bossy but she's like has a fiance and she has like this rapport and her and her sister are like really really close and at first her sister's kind of introduced as like oh She's kind of a down. She's like she's, hop a dumb. She's the she's the ditzy blonde, right? Like she's yeah. she's she's got every. It, it it amazes me how how many like like these are like incredibly by the books tropes, yeah. right? Because like to the point where like the ditzy blonde sister is actually blonde, yeah. and her older sister is a brunette. brunette. Yeah. Um. Um. But anyways. So Hank's really good at dancing, and we find out that Queenie's not actually that dumb later on. She's sort of, like, playing it up so her sister feels important and responsible. And this, and this is, like, good sibling repertoire, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, her sister, her and her sister have, like, a role, and she doesn't want to upset that because there's a comfort in that relationship. Um, and that's good shit. And that's good shit. It's genuinely really interesting. It's, like, really fun. It's a fun twist on, like, oh, the ditzy blonde, and it's, like... Hank is kind of still this caricature, but, like, it's not a character that I disliked by any means. I was like, oh, I love that this woman knows what she wants, and she's willing to, like, argue with this man to get it. Uh, the character will shit on Hank forever. Oh, this movie hates Hank. This, this movie, movie hates Hank this movie, in I a mean, way that is in, in a awful. Weird, in a, and in a weird way that I don't think it understands, it also hates Queenie, right? It like, does also this, hate This Queenie. movie hates the fact that these women are independent. Yeah. And the fact that, and, and that they are punished for their independence, right? For daring to, mm -hmm. to have a purpose outside of being tied to a man. So part of the reason why this movie is so terrible is these sisters are genuinely interesting. And the fact that they're so close to each other, a big part, like the first 20 minutes of this movie is that like these sisters are so close and genuinely like fight for each other when it comes to everything. And that's really nice. And then... And then they promptly proceed to throw away all of their characterization. For... Because anytime there's a man in a scene, one of the sisters will throw themselves at their feet and be like, my character's changed because I must flirt with this man. Well, I mean, it's... it's I will say it's two specific men, right? And yeah. like, And, like, the movie wants us to think that, like, one of these is, like, the moral good and the other one is the moral bad. Um, but, like, let's... Let's... Let's talk about Eddie. 
Let's talk about Eddie. It's time we talked about Eddie. Eddie, Eddie is, is the creepiest motherfucker. He is. He's the. He's the childhood friend, and he is like so sleazy. The moment he walks on screen, like he the the the, the it, everything about his character just like oozes disgusting. Like just absolute revulsion. Like he I, is the worst tropes of like every single man ever, and I guess the, this actor in particular was like. Uh, he did Playboy roles, was what he was known for, but it's so gross. Like, everything about what you imagine a Playboy role to be is terrible. Well, that's interesting, because that's not really what this role is, right? Like, in yeah. this in this movie, he's, like, framed as, like, a sap. He's, like, a simp. I said two things that sound incredibly similar, but he's, like, a he's like a nobody <laughs> piece of shit. He, he thinks he's, like, a big tough guy, but he's constantly shat on by everybody around him. He has no position of power, and he can't even, like, defend himself. Like, nah. he's not... He's th this role is kind of outside of that, but he still plays it like it's this sleaze ball. I'm gonna yeah. sleep with all the women. Yeah. Like, and I mean, he does mention like at one point that he was like, "Oh yeah, I've I've definitely slept with other women." But again, I think I think the the role as it is written is supposed to imply that he's like talking out of his ass. Yeah. Um, and that he really is just kind. Of, he had he is just this childhood friend, but this actor isn't that. This actor is just. Constantly like invading the personal spaces of these actresses, and when the plot swings from "I'm in love with my childhood friend" to "I'm in love with her younger, hotter sister," the the play that this actor gives it is like, "Oh well, I'm just gonna be like super aggressive." aggressive. Uh, and a thing that is super gross while all of this is happening is that. Like, none of these roles are very clearly defined. One, a thing that sucks, and that, like, I'm only going to mention probably the ones, like, is that Hank, for being, like, this smart woman who's in charge of everything, like, never sees it. Like, it is so obvious and so upfront, and it's a thing that doesn't make sense in how close her and her sister are, is that Hank is blind to it, like, the entire movie, except for the very end. Uh, just doesn't see it. And it's well, because I feel like this is a thing these sisters would talk about, but, like, the movie can't have them talk about it, right? I mean, you, you could, you could do something interesting here. Like, any, any, if you had, like, I mean, mm -hmm. like, if, if, if a woman had been allowed to look at the script in 1929, like, I'm sure that there could have been something interesting here about the, the... The, the fact that maybe, you know, like, if you're in Hank's position, you don't want to see it. You don't, you want to be blissfully ignorant of it because this like she she her character has spent her whole life trying to get yeah specifically her younger sister the big break she needs queenie's the one who's like oh maybe we shouldn't have come here maybe yeah, we yeah. should go back maybe we should mm -hmm. like maybe we should like do this do this delay 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 and hank's the one who's like no like this is it this is our shot and you know like if this fails we can all we can always go back yeah but but this is how we have to do it is is yeah like and then she mentions later in a conversation to uncle jed um, who we'll get to, like, that, that she feels bad because Queenie hasn't ever gotten her any break, any big, any breaks, right? Because, and this is when she's bragging to Jed a little bit, like, like, oh, I have, I have this opportunity, and I have Eddie, and Queenie hasn't really gotten her big break. And it's kind of, like, that line is supposed to be ironically echoed at the end of the movie. Yeah. But, but it kind of really just sets up, like, how much this movie fucking hates Hank, because we're gonna see her lose both of these things. Yeah. Um. I... I think she means that, I, I see what you're saying, and I guess, but, like, that's not how I read it. I read it as, like, Hank's goal was to be this star. Mm -hmm. uh, and she wanted to be the star with her sister, but I do think she cares more about it than Queenie does at the end of the day. And I think Queenie 
cares more about romance? Or at least that's what the movie wants us to think. It's, it's kind of unclear what Queenie wants because when, when Queenie's given like a taste of the fame, she's kind of into it. Yeah. Um, but like for the purposes of what this movie wants her character to be, she can't be into it. Yeah. And so, so it's like we get this like dysphoria of like this character not wanting to be famous, but constantly putting herself in situations where she's just getting more and more famous. And like the big push of all of this is like, Eddie's being a, a creep, so I'm going to get away from him by doing all this stuff. But it, yeah. it... So this movie does this thing with... Cause let's talk about Queenie now. So Queenie originally talks about how like she's scared and she doesn't really want to be here. And her sister really pushes her and wants to be here. Uh, and then Eddie gets introduced to us and lays eyes on Queenie for the first time in their I, relationship. And the camera literally I like stops. To, I do need to like, what is it that he says? Uh, uh, this is my note. Don't say that. Don't say that she's the sweetest little girl you ever knew. Because he says that like five times. Yeah, he's constantly calling them like little girls little in a way girl. that is so it's creepy. Like, nah, fam, you can't. You can't do that. He's, but like, it's very obvious. Like, oh, he's into her now. And this happens like so soon into the movie. It is like ten, ten not even like five minutes into this yeah. movie. Yeah, right? as soon like, as his character is introduced, he's immediately in love with another woman. Um, And... Throughout them, like, doing interviews and trying out and stuff, he's, like, getting into her personal space. And, like, the minute Hank walks away, he's, like, hitting on Queenie and, like, up on her. And so the movie's like, oh, well, Queenie... The thing the movie wants us to think is, like, Queenie's trying to be a good sister, so she's running away from Eddie and her sister to, like, give them space. But what it reads as is, this man's creeping me out. So I'm gonna leave and go do other things, and like those mm -hmm. other things are getting more famous and dating this rich guy. Well, and and also like it doesn't help that like the the movie wants us to believe that Queenie is wrong. Yeah. Right. Queenie is wrong to deny this man's affections. She's wrong for running away. She's wrong to want to escape this situation. Um. And like I I I feel like had this been handled in any in like it with any remote tactfulness like the 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 mistake of being young and running mm -hmm. into the fantasy of escaping with a rich man could yeah. be presented as dangerous but the, for all intents and purposes like this guy who is a total fucking like rich sleazebag his name's Jock Warner is exact treats her exactly the same way Eddie does and, except like, like he's not married to or get, like a fiance to her sister so the, yeah, like the, one comparison is he's a better dude yeah but the, <laughs> also the, he has like Money. money and stuff and he, he can actually make her famous like eddie's made a million promises he can't keep and is a total sleazebag who's cheating on her sister and like this guy's keeping his promises and not cheating on anyone so we have no reason to dislike him well, other the, than the, like he's as creepy as eddie eddie he's as creepy as eddie he's a little i think like and like i guess maybe this is something that we should mention here but like this movie has a lot of um a lot of very tense sexual assault situations so definitely like be yeah. aware of that if you decide for some reason to watch it which i do not you recommend uh, it's but a there terribly is boring a movie, but like there... potential rape scene that happens i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far but it is, it's definitely like it is implied that if it is not interrupted he would have like yeah that touched he... her there would have been some in, saying, in, yeah, yeah. inappropriate sexual contact yeah. for sure and like and that's and that's kind of the thing right is like the implication but like Eddie is just as manipulative. He's just not, yeah. but he's not physically manipulative. Right? He's emotionally manipulative. And in my mind, that's more insidious because he's taking advantage of this woman in a way where like she has no recompense. Yeah. There's no way for her to fight this. That Eddie multiple times like kisses her against her will. And it's 
Like pushes again, her against a wall at one point. Pushes, like they're very similar, and like the fact that the movie has to go to such odds to make us be like, "Oh, Jackass is wrong." Yeah, it really says something. Is like they have to get that close to the line for us to be like, "Well, this guy's not good anymore." Mm-hmm. And it's it's it just the, the movie just doesn't have it just doesn't have the chops to do what it's trying no. to do, and it doesn't help that like every ten minutes. Like, all motion, all, like, forward momentum in this plot, like, stops dead for either, like, title card jump scares to remind <laughs> us we're in New York, or... <laughs> oh, my God, I... It was, like, mid-sentence the first time it happens, right, where he's just like, heh, <laughs> There are literal jump scares, like, when they change, when they're changing locations, instead of, like, having a transition shot, it just flashes back. There's like a drum beat, thum, and then a title card goes up, and it's like it, the lower slum. It's legit some like Law and Order shit, right? Dun dun. A theatrical hotel on Forty Sixth Street, New York. Jump scare. <laughs> These are their stories, right? <laughs> like I, I keep, I kept expecting somebody to be murdered in this movie, and somebody does almost get murdered. That one uh, for no reason. Well, two people, it doesn't add to the story. Two, yeah, there's like a ton of stuff in this movie that doesn't matter, and I, I do think it's like kind of interesting if in like terms of like what what this what this movie tells us theater life was like yeah i do think that is the most interesting thing this movie has to talk about is potentially this and that's just because this movie kind of knows about it yeah like it's <laughs> it's kind of a musical it's not it's, it's not, not, a it's not a musical like, i don't know if you heard my quotation marks in my summary, summary earlier but like in one of the three fucking summaries i read like <laughs> Um, but like, this is not a musical. There's no, like, except with, I think maybe one exception, none of the music pertains to the characters in any way at all. Yeah. So a Broadway melody is like the play the sisters are in. And that's the first song that Eddie writes that he promises the sisters can sing. Fun fact, they don't get to sing it. I don't think they ever get to sing it. They never get to sing it. He keeps singing it though. But we listened to the man sing it like three different times, four different dang. So one, like, I feel like the biggest thing is, like, we listen to this one song four different times. And there are a couple of other songs, but most of them are just songs that are in this musical that do not matter they, at all. They are just, like, cut in, like, at random and, again, don't really have anything to... Two of them are literally just, like, we're watching the the theater of the movie, right? Yeah, it would that's be literally like, it. It would be like if in, like, uh, if in, like... I don't fucking know, like in Batman, right? Where he's like, he's he, he's like, oh man, I'm going to go watch Zorro. And afterwards, my parents are going to die. And then we legit just watched the play or movie Zorro for like 30 minutes. And like, like just the whole time being like, oh my God, when are we going to get back to this movie? Because this is not the movie. This is yeah, something else. The movie just gets interrupted for these like musical segments. And it, that like, they literally stop the plot dead. Every time. And then they go on for like five or 10 minutes. And then we continue with the plot, so, and it's so jarring. This movie is like ninety-one ish, ninety-one ish minutes long. It feels longer than and that, and it feels longer than that. And because like, you it's have definitely to stop and wait for the movie to happen again. It's definitely like the shortest movie we've seen. I think. I yeah. think barely, but like, it feels so long, and it's because the movie itself, like the movie part of the movie, is like maybe 40 minutes right like it's honestly probably 30 (laughs) it's like yeah it's like an episode of sex in the city but then there's like this just like all this extra bullshit that that's just like and it's just like musical stuff and like i don't know not even that but like even just seeing queenie like run away with this guy stops being interesting after like the second time she does it oh god that's right she runs away like she runs away like four times and like we get it 
But you can't do it. You can't run away. I'll so, do whatever I want. No. So a thing that happens between these sisters that could be potentially interesting is they have this big fight. And Hank doesn't really make any sense here. This is one of the moments where I think they really break Hank's character to, like, try to conform some ideas. Well, I mean, like, they definitely, like, fucking, like, like fucking, I, I hate to make so many Batman references, but, like, Bane breaking Batman's back. Her character is just thrown in the ringer. Yeah. Like, she's never gonna walk again. Um, so, Queenie's, like, becoming more famous, and Hank's obviously jealous of this. In a way, that totally makes sense, but also, like, you don't want to begrudge your sister for this thing, and I think all of that's interesting and all of that's good. But then, like, out of nowhere, Hank is like, well, you can't enjoy being famous? Which, I think it's fine for Hank to be jealous of her fame, but I don't, I think it's like a weird character break for someone who like, loves her sister to be like, well you can't enjoy being famous, you can't enjoy having luxuries, you have to get married, and oh my god, you're not gonna get married, like you're such a, she doesn't actually say like, slut or anything, but like she, Hank goes that's on the fear. That's for the so fear. long, it's like, oh well you're just gonna be another dime a dozen slut, and it's like, you would never say that to your sister who you love this much, you'd be like, oh well, you know, be careful, I'm worried, but like, I'm gonna be here for you, like, their relationship just like, dissolves into nothingness because the plot needs it to and it doesn't make any sense because until now they have been so close well and also like at the beginning of the movie hank's the one who's complaining about like oh we're never Men, gonna yeah. have to cook our own dishes and we're never gonna have to like yeah. penny pinch for food and we're we're never gonna have to do like non-stop shows a day we're finally gonna make it big and not have to work as much and then she just stops caring about all of that because at this point because like but but the the movie's fear, right, is like, oh no, Queenie might have like consensual adult sex. adult sex with the man who has no intention of marrying her. Like that is the worst thing that could That's happen. The to worst her thing woman. that could happen to Queenie. And yeah. like, this this is a movie that came out like pre Hayes Code, right? Yeah. But like it it baffles me then, like why it's so caught up in like this is like this is the twenties. This is when like you know the what was it the pill popping. Oh. The pill popping penis loving Satan worshiping woman or something. Yeah, the ideal of a woman wanting to have sex and not have children. How, could how she, dare how she? How dare she? But like this is like when like this kind of like like birth control was publicly available. You would think that maybe this movie would want to say something about that, but no. It it's just it's just she can't she can't do it. Even She's, though Hank's whole character has kind of been like this typical aggressive towards men sort of like that stereotype of a woman, she just breaks down and is like, I'm really about. It's well. Christian marriage. Well, she needs to be a mom now, right? <laughs> and it's wild, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I think it's interesting if she's, like, concerned, but, like, her moral standpoints aren't, I'm concerned for my sister. They're like, you need to marry my fiancé. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's, do we want to talk about this? This scene God. where this happens? Because it is, it is, it is weirdly the best scene in the movie. It and is like, weirdly and the best scene in the movie. I could see a really good movie doing something with this scene, because this scene is wild. Let's talk about so, it. So, so Queenie is is going to put on this dress and go meet up with Jack Warner at his ha at, no. At an apartment he got for her. Yeah, he bought her an apartment. Where he's throwing a party. Yeah. And this guy throws parties like every Tuesday. Every I mean it's the 20s. Um and like every um Eddie and Hank have been like accosting Queenie about this for a while now, but at this point literally Hank for so long like Hank pulls out all the stops and is like, like, no, you can't go. I'll stop you. And uh, No, you can't go. I'll kill Jacques. No, that's what Eddie says. 
That is, I thought we were talking about Eddie. No, we're talking about Eddie. Eddie just threatens to murder oh, yeah. Ed, Willie now. Ed, Ed, Eddie's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And I'm going to make him feel what he's making me feel. And finally, finally, Hank sees the light. Hank's Hank, like, wow, you've really just been literally kissing my sister in front of me for a while. But, I think you're into her. But I think you're into, I think you might be in love with my sister. And so Hank starts yelling at Eddie that she never loved him. That she was just using him to get into into Broadway and that he's a coward and And there's a little bit of casual racism here um and and basically like uh I guess man shames I don't really just shames Eddie into going and chasing after Queenie because she knows that that, they love that they love each other now and And it's wild because I I cannot push this enough Queenie is on like has had no, no interest. visible interest. She's been disgusted by him the whole time. There's one scene where she, like, kind of flirts with a cigarette. But, like, besides that one scene, for, like, multiple scenes, she is grossed out That's, and, like, disgusted by Eddie. That cigarette must be, like, rated by OSHA to carry 500 tons because it is carrying a lot of weight in this movie, um, that cigarette scene. But, like, the the... the, it, the, the to me, the really, like, baffling part of this is that we... Sorry, I just wanted to bring up the fact that, like, the yeah, idea yeah. that, like, anyone these... thinks Queenie is into this man no, the, is beguiling. These, these characters not only, like, have the opposite of chemistry. They have <laughs> physics. I don't know. These characters have, like, the opposite of chemistry. They have, like, homeopathic medicine, right? Like, the the idea that they would remotely be interested in, in each other is, I like... Mean, I do think Eddie's super well, into Eddie, her. Well, but that's the thing, right, is, like, Eddie's... Eddie's like lust for her isn't given romantic tension. Isn't given romance because it's just ah she's hot. It's literally just that she's hot though. She's hot though. Like everyone's interest in Queenie is based purely on the fact that she's hot, and it's really gross because they kind of got out of their way to be like Queenie doesn't have skills. They don't ever say she's good at singing. We know that she's in fact not like that good at dancing. Um. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is it's it's like implied that she's not actually good at this, but she's supporting her sister, and that's why she's doing it. It's, it's it's wild and then but then like to top it all off we get, we just get to see Hank like absolutely break down like this yeah. is like the most like just broken woman like like doing the like doing the things that people in like a very tense emotional grief would do where she's like she like goes back and like tries to continue putting on her makeup but can't because she's crying too much and then like she's like manic and moving around and eventually she goes to the phone and calls Uncle Jed, who ha- earlier had told her, hey, you know, if you really want to go back on tour, there's this other blonde woman who we could, like, set you up with so you could still do your sister act. Because this is, you know, vaudeville. Nobody yeah. actually cares if they're related. Um, and she calls him and says, hey, I'll take those 30 days. I'll do that tour. And, like, doesn't even make it to the end of the phone call before yeah. she keeps crying. And it's just, like... It's so depressing. And you're just watching, like... This woman, Hank, literally lose, like, everything. Because she doesn't get to be on Broadway, the thing she really wanted to do. She doesn't get to she wasn't m- hot enough. marry her childhood love. She doesn't get love. to marry her childhood love. Like, she gives away literally everything she, she her, cared she, about. And, and even, like, she doesn't even get to be with her sister anymore. Which yeah, is, like, and she I, the, also loses her sister in this. Then we then we <laughs> smash cut to, to, Eddie. Ed, to Eddie getting the shit beat out of Owned. him. Owned. Owned. I, I had to watch it four times because it was amazing. Felt so good. Just watching him get very poorly edited punched by this man yeah he flew into the other room like bugs bunny oh what's up doc eddie is not competent at anything other than being a sleazeball but yeah so he gets beat up and then queenie like falls to her knees and is like no No. who hurt you and it's like you know who hurt you you saw it happen (laughs) 
But she does the like very typical thing of like, oh no, who hurt you? Did they do you, hurt you? Do you think, like one specific man hurt him. Do you think maybe she was doing like the concussion thing? Like, do you remember who punched you? Tell me the name of who punched you. And he's like, uh, Eric Warner. And she's like, oh God, he has a concussion. But anyways... I don't know if that was a so known thing back then. They, they get together, and then after this scene, we smash, we smash cut, cut to, like... Three or months later? How, yeah, three months later. Or three weeks later, it's uh, a Hank's on a time. phone call, and it's like, oh my god, Queenie, I'm so excited to see you. And, like, Queenie and Eddie, Eddie are just married now. They're married. They just got back from their honeymoon. And, and they're just, like, they're just gonna be super happy and flirty. And they're, like, shoving their happiness in Hank's just, face in a way that fucking they're sucks. They're like, oh, you should move in with us. And it's like, nah, fam. Nah. I, how about I never see you again? And then, yeah, and then Hank's literally like, I think I'm gonna tour forever. I'm never gonna settle down, actually. Um, and then Uncle, Uncle Jed, the asshole that he is, is like... He's like, ah, uh, you know, she's, she, all troopers are tramp. And Hank's a real trooper. And it's like, what does that what mean? What does that mean? Uh, and then we end with the movie, like, low-key making fun of uh, Hank because she's with the other girl. And the other girl's oh, like, I yeah, want to yeah. get on Broadway. And then Hank does the lie that Eddie does, which is like, oh, I'll get you on Broadway in six months. Well, yeah, I mean. She, and and that's, the, that's the joke is right. She's never going to get on Broadway. It's well, funny. It, it's honestly, I, I think that, the, the, like, if, if you were going to, like, read this in, like, a more, like, in a more, like, game theory sinister way, right? Like, yeah. Th- this, this could be, like, what she does now is she just... Teams up with these women, does a vaudeville act, and gets them onto Broadway, and then she teams up with another woman and just does it all over again. Her life is constantly like getting being to the up. cusp, getting to the cusp of her dream, but only ever being able to help others achieve it. Like she's never going to be let into that room, and that kind of sucks. Um, but again, it's funny, I don't know. But it's funny because but it's funny because she's her sister aggressive. is married now. I don't know, because she's not, like, stereotypically hot. But the thing is, she's not, like... I don't understand why she's not considered hot in this movie. Is it because she's brunette? I, I do think it's because she's shorter, brunetter, and doesn't have as big of the boobs. The hungalongadongas, yeah. I guess. Well, I mean, if you really want to know, uh, do you would you like to play a game how old these actors are? Oh, is she older? Um, she's just not, like, 17? I So I have four I have four of the actors here, right? I have, I have Anita Page, who is um, the sister, the younger mm-hmm. sister, Queenie. Bessie Love, who is the older sister, Hank. Mm-hmm. Charles King, who is Eddie. And Charles K. Thompson, who is Jock Warriner. Okay. I do want to take an aside and let everybody know that they do give us Eddie's last name, but I genuinely did not give a shit about Eddie's first name. Uh, so what 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 age what age ranges do you think we're working with here? I think that Hank is in her mid twenties. I think okay. that Queenie is in her early twenties or like nineteen. Um, I think that Eddie is like in his thirties, and I think that Jacques Warner is in like his late thirties. Okay. So you got Anita Page. Right on the money. She is exactly 19. Uh, Queenie was exactly 19 in this movie. She's incredibly young. Mm -hmm. Um, Bessie Love, who you guessed was in her mid-20s, was 31 at the making of this movie. She looks great, right? Um, Charles King, who plays Eddie, you guessed was in his mid-30s, was 43. Gross, gross. Was 43 years old. Gross. Straight up, like, almost 25 years older could have been their parents 25 years older holy shit and charles k thompson who played jock warner Mm -hmm. was 30 oh 
so I, was, I got those backwards. So he was actually uh, younger even than uh, Hank. Really proving that Jacques was the love interest you should have chosen. I mean, no, <laughs> she should not have been with either. Thirty is still a little too old for me. Like it's a, yeah, it's it's like a hair's breadth over a decade, right? It's a year over a decade, which is a little too much for for nineteen, I think. But I I mean I of where, course I agree. I this is this is the age dichotomy that I was expecting. I was honestly expecting Hank to be a lot younger. I was expecting her to be in her mid twenties as well because of how like yeah um, she, she just looks really so good, young. Yeah. And I think part of it is just because of how, how petite she is. She's, She's tiny compared to her sister. Um, but yeah, like that's a that's this that's is a, that's gross. I, I think I do think this is gonna be like the standard of what we're gonna see from now on. It's just no. forty to fifty year old men and just like 19, dating nineteen year olds. And like, oh, this thirty year old woman has to play this fifty year old man's mom. Great, God. let's do it. Okay, so another thing that I think needs to be talked about uh, is this movie. We talked about how like the theatrics are like a big part of this movie and a big part of watching the theatrics is just staring at women. Mm-hmm. Oh, like women are literally set dressing. They like mm-hmm. never get so, to sing or do anything. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that one character is complaining about how the spotlight needs to be on him. He's surrounded by lamps. Like <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard to get the light he needs. But yeah, no, it's it's really gross. These women are clearly. I think a big part of this, the selling point of this movie was you get yeah. to see a bunch of half-dressed women mm-hmm. constantly surrounded and, and, and by I, men who are singing and dancing and the attention and the focal yeah. point. I assume that, like, back then this was, like, as close as you got to just, like, ah, damn, this is this is basically just sex porn. Let's do it. Hey, we're going to go <laughs> watch the broad... As opposed to the unsex porn. As opposed to not... I guess this is not sex... This is not sex porn, right? Like, it's it's just... Yeah, like, it's just these women exist Are literally as scenery. ...objects uh, to be desired and to be placed around the set. And, like, to the point where, like, the, the, the real differentiator, right, between Hank and Queenie is that Hank... Hank doesn't fit that role because yeah. she is so loud and she is so demanding... And she isn't like quiet and allow and does not allow herself to just be put on literally a pedestal to be gazed at for her beauty, and that's uh, that's that's the differentiator. Hank has a really good line um, because Queenie ends up taking one of these scenery roles, right? And Hank is really upset about it, and she says, "Well, we've never had to get by on our legs before," and she's like clearly upset and doesn't want to do this. Um, oh, and she's uncomfortable with it, yeah. right? And like, and that's. That's, and then she lets all of that go to be like, no, you should be married. Yeah, you well, should do menial tasks. And right, and like I, I do want to stress like that that Hank Hank having this boundary is fine. The problem that we have with Hank is not that she has this boundary, it's that that's not a part of her character. No. Her whole argument against Queenie doing this isn't that she's crossing a boundary. It's it's literally that she's not seeing getting married. A, seeing a man who has no interest in marrying her. That is the crux point. That is the thing. And even worse than that, that is the movie unforgivable. really the movie really sets up the point as not even being that, but, well, we need you to marry Eddie, so that's low-key, like, what her lines are written, like, like, oh, well, you're not marrying my fiancé, because, like, they clearly have an end goal and no character reason for mm-hmm. Hank to be against this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. I just don't know. It's, it's just that these characters are genuinely interesting, and, like, I would love to see them do something, that is not be scenery and actually be allowed to have interests and not be thrown away for the fact that they have to date the men around them mm-hmm. or yeah. marry the men around them. So I want to talk real quick about like musicals because I love musicals. Yeah, well, I, I hate this Mulan. I, this I one's hate, bad. I, I think for the most part, I hate all musicals. I like, 
like okay so my, my let, me, let me go down the list of my four favorite musicals right so it's um fiddler on the roof number one fiddler on the roof is the best musical fiddler on the roof is number one um after that i think i'm gonna go with Les Mis. Les Mis is good um i haven't seen it live live but the the, the, I've seen the, it live, the movie was really good the movie was the movie was okay and uh it it, it, it made me cry so you know I'm, I'm gonna count it um no i'm gonna make Les Mis number three actually number two is the lion king because i did see that one sort of live in like a smaller production and that was amazing um i was there for it the actor who played simba was like amazing he was like he appeared on that moment like they're singing akuna matata and like child simba swings away and you're like bye child simba and then like man simba shows up and you're like man simba you're here the play has begun it was great it was really good um and then nala shows up like oh my god amazing it's great um i have so many bye feelings right so, now and this is just this is, it, honestly it's great um it's great <laughs> Um, and then I think number four is Cats, specifically the 2020 version. Uh, it's perfect. It's perfect. It, no one should ever change it. In fact, I think the patch that they did to fix the special effects was a crime. I want to see the original, like the original unpatched fucking version. unpatched version. I mean, we did watch the original as George in Luke. a movie theater exactly. with one woman who had a million snacks. Who had a million snacks. She was, I'm so I glad that like we she got broken up with in like the theater. Two minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> but look, we were there for her. We made her day. No. So yeah, that movie, uh, perfect. I hope it never changes. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, um, number five is Hamilton. So, uh, the only thing I would add to that is uh, the Phantom of the Opera. No, no Phantom kidding. of the Opera fucking sucks. It's gross. It's it's this movie. <laughs> I don't. I think this movie's worse, but yeah. Yeah, no, because that movie has the Phantom of the Opera has like one dude that's like decent. Yeah, and at least she consents to be with it's him. It's too bad he's a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, later. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. I was stalling because I forgot the name of the musical. <laughs> Wicked. Uh, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I about. watched Wicked in person and with the second cast because there's like a main cast and there's like a second cast. Yeah. And I watched the second cast and it was really good. It was amazing. I, 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 I understand that there's like cast rotation stuff for musicals. I don't understand why people give a shit. But um... uh, the, the ideal is like, oh, this cast like lear learned on Broadway. So they're like legit. I don't know. But anyways, I think Wicked is super fun. So, Wicked mm. is also my well, list of very so, good music. This is a really long tangent for just, for, for what is, that is ultimately not important. But like, so. Th th it's an ultimate tangent for musicals. most musicals are bad, but this movie isn't even a musical. The movie's not a musical, but like, I do want to talk, like, there, there is a, a, a certain thing to be said about the kind of movie that this movie is, which is not necessarily a musical in the Broadway sense, but a musical in the sense that it is giving you stage production value musicals in the movie theater which is which was very new at the time like the jazz singer which is like the first i think real musical film to ever come out and and also had like a syncopated soundtrack came out in 1927 um this movie was the first movie to be filmed uh with sound at the same time right mm -hmm. like it wasn't done in post they were filmed together the sound the film and the sound was done together which yeah. apparently caused a lot of problems for them but like after this the musical explodes and we're going to be seeing a lot of musicals surprisingly um, up until the f 40s, maybe even the 50s, and then we're never going to see them again until La La Land. And there's a reason for that, and it's because of of when La La Land hits, which was a couple years ago now, yeah. right? Versus when this these movies hit, which is at the 
like at the very beginning of the Great Depression. Yeah. And like there there's a, a very interesting article about um um this uh US film history teacher Nancy West who says that um uh, Americans desperately needed an escape. Musicals presented an ideal genre for the escape because it made people leave the gloom and doom of poverty behind and see films that depicted people in joyous movement with very lavish surroundings. And I think there is something to be said about that, but there's also something to be said about like who we allow to have this escape because both La La Land and this movie mm -hmm. um, are steeped in um, in, a, in a culture. Yeah. Um. And and the, the the idea this movie in the in in vaudeville culture and La La Land in jazz culture and the interesting thing about both of those things is that both of those things originated in Black America. All music originated but, in Black America. But they're not the ones who are allowed to have this escape. No, this there's is not a, a black person in this movie. In sight, and there's I think maybe two in La La Land, but like maybe two. <laughs> I I I did not like that movie, and I didn't finish watching it. Um. The um. But like it, it, it speaks to I think that there is maybe something to be said about like people who are in poverty, wanting to escape. People who are in times of of, of great strife, wanting something that is big and lavish, and rich and kinetic, mm -hmm. to be able to leave the stasis of sadness. Yeah. But the fact that we don't allow minorities to take part in that sadness, and even in this movie, we have like characters who are very coded as being gay, but they are not allowed to be. No center stage they're behind the scenes right they are they're literally supporting behind the scenes, yeah. they are supporting the escapism but they're not allowed to take part in it either mm -hmm. um and 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 we're and that's what these musicals are going to be is is escapism for for whites and it's 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 gonna be a long time before we get to see that escapism be allowed to anyone else and like yeah. um and and like the the different ways in which people find that escapism says a lot about where we are as a culture and i think where this movie specifically is in its place which is the beginning of this movement the beginning of the musical yeah. as a film and not as a like a stage production um uh, I, I do wish i had more to say about it but uh I, I, it's hard to say something we, about a thing that doesn't talk about the thing well and also yeah like we're i think like the next time we encounter a musical and i think we are going to encounter a couple more we can talk more about it that's true there's lots of like little inconsistencies with this movie um that i feel like would be on like the tomato section. What is, it's not called tomato. The cinema sins. Not not cinema sins. Like the IMDb goof section. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like cinema there's sins. a scene where they goof. <laughs> that's fair. Where like. Ding. They like mess up a piano, but then five minutes later the oh, piano she, it works. It works just fine. It yeah. It works just fine. And like there are lots of those things that happen in the movie that really make you question like. Well, there's a reason this didn't get best director, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just there, like. There are a lot of those, though, in a way that is very jarring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. This is definitely... I, I... And I guess, like, let's talk about this, then. Yeah. This... This movie sucks. This, this movie is very sucks. boring. This movie has... This movie is so boring. This movie has one plot, and it's that you know these the sister is gonna get with this dude, and the movie doesn't have anything to happen in between those two points. Yeah, it... So it just meanders and, like, takes its time and breaks characters to make arguments that don't matter i i have seen six second vines that have gotten to this gotten through this plot faster and with more gravitas right like it just it overstays its welcome by 91 minutes it just it's it's there's nothing of substance there i honestly don't think that there's any reason to watch this movie um because if you're interested in like musical film this isn't it this like, isn't there's a musical nothing here. there's 
there's one song that has to do with what's happening, and it is uh, Eddie singing to Queenie, being a real creep, being like, you're mine, and I'm going to put you in a glass-sized jar. And I wrote, this is my human size, hey, uh, Queenie, I bought you this human-sized jar. I know, I know Jock bought you an apartment, but all I could afford was was this human-sized jar. And then later on, Mm. Jock sings the same song to her, because he sold it. Yeah. Because Which is so gross. Like, I wrote this song for you, but also I made I mean, a pretty penny, pretty off, penny of off of it. So now the entire world has the song, has so it's not song. actually intimate at all. Yeah, it's a very uh, plain white tease uh, situation. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yeah, we never talked about Uncle Jed. Uncle Jed. You promised we would. I, I did promise we would. The only, I guess the only interesting thing about Uncle Jed is he is very clearly just Porky Pig. Or I guess Porky Pig. He was the Pig. inspiration for Porky Pig. I do think it's very clear... Just for that, if maybe not this guy, he definitely is one of the many inspirations for Porky Pig because he his has a stutter, very pronounced stutter, and it's and it's clearly for comedic effect. I'm I don't, not super a joke. I don't know if this man actually might, has he a might stutter. have actually had a stutter. I, I, that doesn't change the fact that his stutter is a joke in this it's, movie. Yeah, and, but but like Porky Pig's entire like syncopated way of speaking is like lifted from the sky almost one for one. It is yeah. it it is like just another example of like oh man Looney Tunes really did just, like, whole cloth make fun of all this stuff. Yeah. And, like, like for decades. And, like, now there's, like, a comedic language that Looney Tunes has invented that is just making fun of these old movies that nobody ever saw. Speaking of comedic language, this movie does not have a clear comedic language. I feel like there are a lot of things in this movie that are supposed to be jokes that are just very unclear. Um, And more on, like, sort of this point... Of unclearness none of the like there's no symbolism or meaning in this movie we get so many shots of theatrics that just mean nothing like we don't even know what the broadway melody is a musical of see it's bad this movie you know what i i'm officially revoking oh. i'm revoking this movie of its oscar uh it doesn't get it it doesn't get it it, uh, it doesn't went, deserve it this movie sucks i went back in time and i uh riddled their oscar with bullet holes and they didn't get it and so if you checked wikipedia now it would be gone uh, faded away like the tree in Back to the Future 2. Um, what was your what was your favorite part of this movie? What was my... Oh, I haven't been thinking about this. No, I, I know I should have because this is how we end episodes, but I have not. Mike, I can tell it's you... It's hard to think of a good part of this movie, actually. I can tell you what my favorite part of this movie was seeing just Eddie get fucking owned, <laughs> owned, owned, punched in the face four times in a row. That's my canon. punched in the face once. That's my canon. You, it happens re- you four did times. rewind it four he, times. He gets... Punched in the face four times. Can't believe it. This movie's a godsend. This is not my favorite moment, but this is a thing. I should rephrase it to what was the what was your what was the most memorable? Okay, okay, okay. This is the most memorable moment. So Queenie and Hank are sisters. Queenie and Eddie are married. And uh the uncle Re- Reggie Jed. Jed is there and Hank has brought her new like sister her her new, new dance sister partner and the dance partner leans on eddie and is like oh you'll help me get into broadway won't you and eddie's like yeah i will if you sleep with me wink wink and uh queenie's obviously like what? don't do that what's wrong with you don't promise this to this girl and then eddie leans over to jed and is like what a tool she is i'm totally gonna pork that girl and then the movie ends. 
I forgot. I did forget. I I forgot that that happened, which is funny because I rewound it so that you could see it happen. Yeah, that's that's the scene. Uh, so we've been your critics, uh, Mavis Evergreen and Andy Reyes. You can find me at Allegory Awkward on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter at Royalty underscore Valens. And next time, you can join us in the year 1931 last time to watch... The Divine Lady. Wow. I'm glad she's not the Painted Lady. Oh, no. The Wedding of the Painted Lady. The Wedding of the Divine Painted Lady. The Lady lady Doll. Uh, But yeah, so Mm. the Divine Lady next time. Mm-hmm. I'm Dirt. sure we won't have any of the same problems. We're gonna be an old. Yeah. We're just gonna. We're gonna be a record that plays the same song. Mm-hmm. We are this musical. Well, we only sing as, the as, Broadway melody. Right, but as as long as Hollywood keeps like giving us the same movies, right? Like we're gonna complain about the same thing. But I uh, hopefully we'll have a new flavor for each one. Um, directed by Frank Lloyd, who we are gonna be seeing a lot of, I think. So I, I'm probably gonna want to talk about him at least a little bit since he's gonna be a, a recurring character. I just. I just want one of them to be as good as the airplane movie. I'm so mad that none of them have been as good as the airplane movie. You can find my other... Uh, my Jesus can, symbology. You can, you can find my other podcast, uh, Direct2Video, which I do with my buddy Tony over at direct2.video. Um... The yeah. No. The yeah. Well, how does this fucking motherfucker sing again? Broadway melody. Yeah, that's it. Mm, yes. The Broadway melody. The year's 1939. The year's 1930. The year's 1930. Mm. Fucking stupid.